Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. and let us know that you're here. Um, If you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be for today, so Ephesians chapter 4. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, you can feel free to use the table of contents to find it, or you can ask someone who's near you, um, and they can help you out with that. Um, While you guys turn there, I'm going to begin by sharing a little bit of a story with you guys, all right? So uh, when I was a kid... Pretty much like every kid ever, I hated cleaning my room, right? Can anyone else relate? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, honestly, I, I still don't really like cleaning my room. Um, but uh, anyways, when I was a kid, my room had like a bunch of toys, and I would play with them, and I would make like a huge mess, and then it would be time for dinner. And my parents, uh, they would make me clean up my room before dinner, right? And that was a hassle for me. I would have to like pick up all my Legos and like everything that I had before I ate. Um, and it's frustrating because if you've ever had like Lego, you know that they're like everywhere. They're like tiny little pieces and they get everywhere. And it's so frustrating to have it to like clean up all of it uh, before you eat, right? So uh, I never wanted to clean. And so this was like a really big problem for me. So uh, one day uh, I was walking home from school. And I came up with an idea that was going to put an end to all of my cleaning problems, all right? So get this, right? I was walking home, and I found, like, a few pieces of, like, scrap metal on the ground, like, just random pieces of metal. And I thought to myself, I thought, I'm going to bring these home and start collecting a bunch of parts so that I can build a robot so that it will clean my room. (laughs) All right? That was my idea. I literally thought this, okay? Um, and no, I wasn't 18 when that happened. Um, but no, so there was a good chance that I like got this from the show The Jetsons. You guys remember The Jetsons? It's like this futuristic like cartoon, futuristic. Uh, and uh, you know they had um, this cleaning lady named Rosie, and yeah, she was their robot and cleaned their house. And uh, anyway, so every day, like I would walk home from school. And I would, like, look everywhere to see if I could find, like, any pieces of metal. I was just so interested in finding any kind of metal. It didn't really matter what it was. So I would pick up, like, these rusty nails and wires and stuff. And I was, this is all going to go to help me build my robot. And so in my room, I had, uh, I kept this shoebox. I kept everything in a shoebox. And it held, like, like I said, it was, like, random screws and nuts and bolts and, like, old TV antennas, like, Garbage day was like prime day for me because the garbage truck would come and just like probably leave a bunch of like, like a remote control or something like that and I would like pick that up and bring it home. Um, and so eventually all this stuff I was going to take and I was going to collect and build this robot, right? This robot was going to clean my room. I had all my problems solved. Um, so today um, I'm here to unveil that robot for you guys. Um, <laughs> that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, no, but what ended up happening to uh, that shoebox, right? Nothing, nothing at all, right? It sat in my room for a little while, and eventually I threw it out um, because all that was just a bunch of parts, 
right? I didn't have anything that ever functioned. Um, and that's kind of the point of the story, right? It's, it's that having a bunch of parts of something, it doesn't mean that you have any that functions, right? So just because I had a, ra a bunch of random piece of metal, um, you know, it didn't give me a robot made for my room. Without any purpose, all I had was like all, all these pieces of metal and they were just shit, ooh, sitting, excuse me, sitting in a box. Pardon me. <laughs> Let's keep moving. Um, <laughs> uh, so all of that to say, um, that's a little bit of what we're talking about today. Um, today we're talking about the church. <laughs> i got to get over that. <laughs> all right. Reset that's what we're talking about today. Um, we're talking about how the church, um, when it functions properly, uh, how, how the church functions properly when its members are being used for its designed purpose. And uh, similarly, when its members are not functioning properly, you end up with a bunch of parts, not a healthy functioning church. And so uh, we're going to explore that a little bit more uh, as we go through our text for today. Um, if this is your first time here, today we're continuing our series in the book of Ephesians. Um, in the book of Ephesians, it was by a man named Paul, and he's writing to a church, Ephesus. Um, and the, this is a church that Paul knew quite well, right? You can read about his travels to uh, Ephesus in the book of Acts in chapter 19. But the letter that he's writing here in Ephesians has kind of two major sections, right? So in the first section, he talks who the church is or um, their identity as believers or their identities as Christians here. And in the section, second section, which we are talking about today, is reading it today, he's practical ways of living out that identity. So how do we live as a result of being a follower of Christ? So that, that's what we're going to be talking about for the of this series, is uh, how do we live out our lives as believers in Jesus? So um, we're going to read our text for uh, today in just a minute. Before we do that, though, I want to give us a couple of main points that I want us to text today. So um, we kind of have, we have like one main point, and then we have like a few sub points. So the main thing to see from our text today is that God has given you unique gifts is to build up the church. God has given you unique gifts to use to build up the church. If you remember, uh, we're talking about how the church functions as it's supposed to, and so uh, we're going to look at our, our three subsections. Um, so here's what they are. They are all about the church. This is what the church is to be like. So the church is to be united with believers, unique in gifts, and uplifting one another. Right. United with believers, unique in gifts, and uplifting one another. How's that for alliteration, right? Actually, I'm not like big on alliteration. You can remember uh, that easily because they all begin with you. And uh, to play off that a little bit, if you are here and you're a Christian, then this is something you should remember because it has nothing to do with you. Not you, the letter, but you as a person. If you're a follower, then you belong to the church. Everything that we're talking about today directly applies to you as a member of the church. Because as we're going to see today, God has given you gifts to use to build up the church. So uh, let's read our text for today. Again, we're going to be in chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. 
says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of, worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One body and spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to all, one Lord, one faith, and baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore it says, when he did on the house of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he, also, he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in into him, head into Christ, joined and held together by every joint with, with which it is equipped when each part is working, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All right, uh, let's dive in here. The first thing that I want us to see is that the church is to be united with believers. All right, one thing to know about the church in Ephesus is that they, they were a very diverse group of people, right? Ephesus had a very large harbor and, and also known for trading, right? So you would have people come, they would come all over the place um, and they would buy and, and sell uh, in the city and thus this is known for its diversity. So uh, like Ephesus, we also, we live in a very transit where people kind of move around, around a lot, right? So if you've been here for them even like six months, you would recognize this. Um, I'll give you another example here. The church here, Renaissance, has existed for about six, all right? And one from the original people who started this are still here, right? They've all moved on to different places or different parts of the city. And uh, even those who are here in this room, probably not many of us have been here for even longer than three years. So we live in a place with a lot of movement, and, um, and, and there are people from, from all over the place. Um, uh, and there's a lot of diversity within this city and within this church, right? So just within our small church, we have Canadians, we have Western Canadians, we have Americans, we have Nigerians, we have uh, Peruvians, we have Lebanese and Japanese, and probably more. Um, so we are a very culturally diverse group of people. Right. Only that we are very diverse in our opinions. Many of us disagree on which political vote, how to handle, or how to handle racism in this country, and it's because we all come from different of life. We come from different cultures and different ways of just doing life and different experiences. And yet, Paul here he calls the church to be united. Right? He urges us to be unified with other with other believers in the church. So. With all of this diversity, how are we to be united? 
So we see two ways in which church is to be united. So first, we are to be united by our behaviors. Paul tells us that the behaviors that will unite the, the church, humility and He says, I urge you to walk in a manner of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What does that mean? It means that which side of the aisle you are on, or, or where you come from, or, or difference in opinion with those in the church, we are to maintain unity by being humble and be, by being patient. That's something that we need to recognize here is that when it comes to our opinions, being right is less important than being united. Right? This is a call to set aside your pride and to seek unity within the church. Because whether you're a Christian or not, know that no one here has it all together, right? In fact, what unites us as believers is that we commonly admit that we don't have it and that we need a savior. And therefore, we approach one another with humility. And then we also approach one another with patience, right? Paul says, bearing with one another in love. What's he saying here? If we, are to, if we are to bear with one another, the assumption here is that you will be sinned against by the church. Right? It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when, when the church will sin against you. And so when that happens, we are called to seek unity through patience and humility. And the reason why we are humble and patient is because however the church has failed us, we have done much more against God, right? And he forgives us. And so through humility and patience, we are to bear with one another so we can be united as a church. So first, that we, we see we are to called to be united by our behaviors. The second way we see how we are to be united is by our beliefs. So Christians, we share a common set of beliefs which, unite, which unites us. And Paul, he goes on to say what beliefs are. He says in verse 4, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So these are the things that we are united in. We all belong to one body, right? Which is we are all empowered by one spirit, the, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. We have some hope as Christians that we will live in eternity with peace, with the peace of God. We serve one Lord. We all have one faith that Jesus has done enough on our behalf to satisfy the wrath of God for our sins. There's one baptism. If you're a Christian and you've been baptized, then you have symbolically shown the world that your sins have been put to death and that you have been given new life through Jesus. You were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and everyone else, except if you're Lynn and James baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, and we're all united in one and Father of all. So if you are a Christian, then you have all of this in common with every other Christian. There's no other, there, there's no Christian that has another spirit inside of them, right? Or who, uh, faith in anything other than Jesus for salvation. These are mental beliefs that we share believers. You might be here and you might be thinking, Christians are all 
they, they all share the same things in common, and you know, they all behave pretty much the same way, right? That's kind of boring, right? Are you saying that Christians are supposed to be exactly the same? Actually, no. What we see here is that the, the church is to be united with believers, but we're also to be unique in our giftings, and that brings us to our next point. Um, I like how um, Tim Mackey, he, he's from the Bible Project, he puts it, he says, unity does not equal uniformity, right? So yes, we are to be united by our shared beliefs. We are to be united how we one another. But we are to be unique in the gifts that God has given us. And that's what we see, he says in verse 7, he says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And here's what to see in that. Everyone belonging to the church is a gift, okay? God has gifted each one of us. And I want to encourage you in that today. If you're here and you're thinking, well, you know, I don't have any one of these gifts or these gifts really aren't for me. No, if you've put your faith in Jesus, that means that he has given you his spirit, which empowers you to use your gifts. It says grace was each one of us. Because we have an amazing God who loves us, making us like him. So you have been gifted by God. God has given you unique gifts to use to build up the church. So then, what are the gifts that he has given us? All right, well, we see in verse 11 says that the gifts that he gave us are, excuse me, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So if you are here and you've put your faith in Jesus, one of these is how you've been gifted. Grace, you can say, by God's grace, you can say, I have the gifting of either an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a shepherd, or a teacher. Right? This is for us. This is for you. And so for a, a bit, I want uh, to, to explore a little bit about what each of these are. Now, Paul here, he doesn't go out of detail about what they are, but I think it's important that we know what they are. If, if these are how God has gifted us as a church, then we should know what they are, and we should know how we can best use them. Um, to, to clarify a little bit what they aren't, because over some time, uh, some of these words have been a little bit misused, or they've been used in multiple contexts uh, to mean different things, and so I want to take us, us to take a look at these gifts. So um, also prefacing, uh, because Paul doesn't go into detail about exactly what distinguishes each of these gifts, uh, I got a lot of this information from a man named Alan Hirsch, and he's done uh, an in-depth study on these gifts, and in fact, he's, he's come up with, uh, with books and seminars and curriculum just based on these gifts alone that we see from this passage. Um, so if you're interested in exploring that more, he has a book called 5Q, which I would highly recommend looking into. Um, so... I'm going to have a few things on the screen. What I want us to do as, as we go through some of this is take a look at uh, the qualities of these titles and see if any of these uh, re resonate with you. So there's going to be a, a list uh, of screens, uh, sorry, a list on the screen for each of these titles. They're not the gifts themselves. There are maybe qualities of someone who has these gifts. So um, yeah, if you, if you might say like, yeah, that resonates with me, um, or maybe even think like, Oh, I know someone in this church that has that gift. 
Um, and if you do think that, then maybe go after and uh, see them after service and say, hey, I, I see this in you, and I want to encourage you in that. Um, all right, so first we have the apostles. Um, the Greek word for apostle it literally means sent one. So an apostle is someone who takes initiative. Um, they're very driven. They also have a lot of vision. And they apply it in a very pioneering way. So someone who is a church planter or a missionary, um, they would likely have the gift of the apostle. Someone working in, a, in business or politics may also have this gift. Other words to describe them might be entrepreneurial, uh, innovative, or visionary. An apostle today is not the same as the, uh, the apostles in the New Testament that witnessed Jesus' death and resurrection and were given authority to write the books of the Bible. Right? So that, that type of apostle does not exist today. Today you can think of more like a Steve Jobs type. All right? So that's apostle. Next is prophet. A prophet in the Bible has a zeal for the holiness of God's people. Right? In other words... They desire that the church live up to the moral standards of God. They long to see the church become more like Christ. A judge or an activist might have the prophetic gift because they long to see things made right. Other words uh, to describe them might be just, faithful, or ethical. And so their heart is to see others in obedience to God. A prophet is not someone who makes prophecies and predicts the future. Um, yeah. Next is evangelist. This one might be a little bit more familiar for us. Uh, an evangelist is someone who proclaims the gospel. They're someone who loves sharing. They might be someone who is very charismatic, who can go or who can mobilize people very easily. Uh, they're very good at communicating. So someone who's an evangelist might be someone who can recruit people easily. Or they might try to sell you essential oils or something. Um, basically, they have good news that they want to bring you along in it with them. Next, we have the shepherd. For the shepherd, you can think of a literal shepherd. What's the role of a shepherd? It's to protect the sheep, to make sure that they don't go astray, to keep them from wolves. So someone who is a shepherd has much more of a caring role they help form people to be more Christ-like. They might be in hospitality or a caregiving type of role. They're empathetic, they're communal, and they're affectionate. You can think of someone like Mother Teresa. And finally, we have the teacher. And again, this is probably another one that we're a little bit more familiar with. Teachers are educated, they like to give instruction, they are philosophical, uh, they want you to understand uh, they may be a little bit less social and more of the thinking type. So someone who is a coach, a preacher, or a researcher may be someone who has the gift of a teacher. So uh, why do I say all this? Uh, because, again, it is important that if God has given us gifts, that we know what they are so we can use them as he has intended us to. So maybe it was easy for you to identify with one of these gifts. If that's you, then that's great. Uh, maybe for you it was a little bit harder. And if that's you, I, I hope you would explore this more. Uh, because God has given you unique gifts to use to build up the church. 
Um, if you are here and you are a shepherd, the church needs you. If you are here and you're an evangelist, the church needs you. If you're here and you're a teacher, the church needs you. In, in whichever way that, that God has gifted you here, this church needs you to use your gifts so that we can be united. And that leads us to our next point. The church is to be uplifting one another. Um, I'm going to have a, a, an image up here. On, you want to put that up there? So here we have uh, three, right? One, number two, and number three. Um, which picture here represents a bike? Who can tell me? Three, yeah. Not a trick question. It's pretty easy. But what do we see here? All the pictures here, they have exactly the same parts to them, but there's only one bike in this picture, right? And it's because the first two, the parts, they're not working together. They're not working as they're supposed to, to be a bike. And likewise, if the church is not using its gifts as God intended them, then you do not have a healthy church. I'll tell you another quick story to, to illustrate my point here. So uh, over the past few years, I've had like a, a number of different problems with my back. I've actually thrown it out like a, a few times. And by now, it actually happens quite easily. He's nodding his head because he knows firsthand what, what happened to me. We'll save that for another time. Um, so last year, I, I actually like I'd begun a pretty intense kickboxing class. And I, it started to feel sore one day. And somehow, I, I realized that I had like pinched a nerve in my back. And, uh, and so I had to go to the uh, physiotherapist and to see what I could do to get better. And so I went there and she, she made me do like a few ads to see what had gone wrong. And so she found out it was that my hamstrings were really out of shape and it was causing the rest of my body. And so my back was trying to compensate for my legs being out of shape. My back injured because my were not functioning as they should. So all that to say, similar, the whole body is, right, everything is connected. If one part of eating, it affects the rest of the body. Apostles aren't using their gifts, then the church will lack leadership. If the prophets aren't using their gifts, then the church will lack holiness. If the evangelists aren't using their gifts, then the church will never see growth from the outside. If the shepherds are not using their gifts, then the church will never see growth from the inside. And if the teachers aren't using their gifts, then the church will lack instruction. And again, this directly applies to each one of us here today. The church functions as God works through you to build up the church. And this is what, what Paul says. He says the gifts that God has given us, he says he gave to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So your gifts are meant to be used to build up the church. And when the church does not use its gifts for one another, you have an immature church, a disunited church, and a self-centered church. Not interested in building itself up but rather just existing as a piece of scrap metal sitting in a shoebox. And so uh, in verse 4, Paul says to the church, well, we need to be united. We need to seek to use our gifts for one another to build a church. 
He says here, so that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So the picture that we have of a church that's not united is one that is thrown all over the place by waves. It'll believe anything. It'll be deceived by the world. It's all over the place. It's thrown here and there without any root. And uh, I've got a short little video for us to watch. Um, if you, uh, I want you to get this picture in, in your head. This is a video that we have here. <laughs> so that's kind of, of a funny picture right but this this is the church that's disunited right this church when its members are not using their gifts to, to for one another this is the the broken immature church this, this is the church that's, that's carried away by anything. They're deceived by everything. It's flopping all over the place trying to pick up its swim trunks. And this is why we need you to use your gifts in this church. Because we are a mess without you. Right? If you're not using your gifts to build up the church, then you are depriving the church of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. And so I want to encourage you today, love the church like Jesus loves the church. Jesus doesn't love the church because the church is awesome. Jesus loves the church because Jesus is awesome. Christ gave himself up for the church that the church would be holy and blameless and united with one another. So where we have failed, Christ had. Where we have been divisive, Jesus came to unite. Where we have been proud, Jesus came in humility. And where we have been impatient with one another, Jesus has bore with us. He was perfect in every way he should have been, and he died on the cross to face the wrath for our shortcomings. That's the love that Jesus has for the church. And God raised him to life, so he's no longer dead, but alive and living in those who will put their faith in him. The power of God is living in you to the body more or less. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, let us turn from disunity in the church, from being tossed around by the waves of deceit, and let us be grounded in Christ who empowers us to build one another up. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, so the body grows so that it builds itself up in love. And this only happens through dependence on God's spirit and actively using gifts that God has given us to build up the church. God made you, you, you with gifts to build up the church.
Let's close with, with some ways to apply this. First, if you are not seeking unity in the church, I would urge you to. If there's someone who has sinned against you, seek forgiveness and reconciliation with humility and with patience. Right? That's the mark of the Spirit in you. And it is God's desire to see the church united. Second, use your gifts to build. If, if you don't know how to use, or maybe you're not sure what gifts are, let me explore. Right? Get into a discipleship group so that you can learn how to best use your gifts to build up the church. Ask someone, say, hey, I don't know what my gifts are. What are my gifts that you see in me? What are the gifts that you see in me? And how do, can I use them to help serve this church? And I don't just mean this church as in like we meet here on Sundays. The church as a people, I mean. And I mean that in everyday sense of how can I use that on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, throughout the week to help serve the church. And you can use it on Sundays to help. To help. But, but it is not a Sunday thing. We, we exist throughout the week um, and, and we want you to use your gifts to serve us. Finally, um, encourage someone with the gifts that you see in them. We, we need one another. Right? You need the gifts of the church as much as they need you. So encourage someone by showing them the gifts that God has given them. Let us not be a, a bunch of parts just sitting in a church building, but rather let us use our gifts that God has given us to build up this church in love. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a loving God and that um, you have just gifted us, God, even when we don't deserve it. God, you saved us and, and when we were sinful towards you, you adopted us into your family, and not only that, you gave us gifts so that we used to build up your body. God, I ask that you would help us see what these gifts are and help us to use them to serve others. To love the church like you love the church. Help us to love in a sacrificially way like Jesus did. God, I ask if, if, there, if there is sin in our hearts, that we repent of that, that we turn to you. And build us up to be united and that we would be a church whose parts are working properly for your glory. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.